This episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the number one daily fantasy sports app. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever it is for you. I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 606. Welcome in. Happy Friday, everybody. Wearing the party shirt today. It's Fun Friday. We're doing Fun Friday at the end of the show. Uh, not gonna lie, y'all did not really write in, so I guess it's my fault. The, the question I asked you last week either wasn't very clear or just not very good, and you didn't want to write in about that. That's fine. I've got a better one for this week. Let me just preview the question. Uh, the thing I want you to write in about today, I want to hear your best or your worst first date idea. Tell me, what's your worst first date idea or what's your best? If you want to write in both, you can, but... I want to hear from you guys. I want to hear about first dates. What's the best idea for a first date? What is your worst idea for a first date? Today, we're going to do Fun Friday at the end. Uh, we'll answer a lot of Patreon questions. We'll preview the weekend in the NFL. And of course, we'll talk about the game that was Thursday Night Football. I'm recording tonight on Thursday night. You'll hear this Friday morning. Uh, but before we do anything, you got to hear from our sponsor. The sponsors are why this show can exist. They make it possible for me to literally keep the lights on, go buy food, pay my rent. So... Uh, before we do anything, I got to take a break. You got to hear from our amazing sponsor that we love. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, sponsors, for paying our bills and keeping Zach alive. Prize Picks is the number one daily fantasy sports app. Prize Picks allows you to make an entry based on player projections and in 60 seconds. You could enter something like George Kittle, less than five catches, AJ Brown, more than 100 yards receiving, and Jordan Love, more than two interceptions. And if your picks are right, you can win money. Making picks makes watching games more engaging, and you could turn something like $5 into $50. Prize Picks offers quick and easy deposits. You can even use Apple Pay, and they have weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. For example, there's a weekly event called Taco Tuesday, where each Tuesday, Prize Picks discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. So put your skills to the test in daily fantasy. Go to prizepicks.com slash CLNS and use code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash CLNS, code CLNS for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks daily fantasy made easy. All right, we are back. Let's talk about Thursday night Football On Thursday night football, the Jaguars beat the New Orleans Saints 31-24. to It ended up being actually a really awesome game. This is what I watch football for. Moments where, you know, the Saints were down 24-9 to going into the fourth quarter. Then they scored 15 points, tied it up, made it 24-24. So with three minutes left, it was a tie game. The Jaguars got a touchdown with 3.08 left to make it 31-24. And the game really ended on the goal line. The Saints had the ball. First and goal on the six-yard line with 40 seconds left. They ran four plays in a row on the goal line. They could not score. And uh, win or lose, I just enjoy that. That's awesome. When you don't know who's going to win at the end of a game, that's exactly what I watch football for. Those moments where it's tense and I'm not sure. And I'm like, oh, what's going to happen? That's awesome. That's why I watch football right there. Um, it was really painful. I do have to acknowledge that on third and goal, Saints tight end Foster Moreau had a touchdown in his hands. Should have been the game-tying touchdown. He dropped it. That's painful. That's awful. Um, still, though, like I think the the one thing about that, he's going to get a lot of hate, I'm sure, Friday morning. 
Um, the Saints had the ball on the six-yard line four plays in a row. It's not like they it was the only opportunity they had to score. Like they had multiple shots at the end zone at the end. And uh it's it does to me it doesn't fall all on Foster Moe. Yes, he dropped the game tying touchdown, and that's you you can't you literally can't drop that ball. That's gotta be a catch. Um but I don't know. It's they had four plays in a row to score. They didn't. It's not like he was the only person who didn't make a play on the goal line. Um, like I thought, Chris Olave had a shot one-on-one coverage on a fade ball on fourth and goal, and he didn't win the route. So it's like you know, ah, you know. Again, it's it's egregious and bad. You got to catch that ball. But I don't have any like anger or a need to like come down hard on Foster Moreau, who was like crying and didn't want to move after the game. Like he clearly wasn't happy about it. He knows he screwed up. I don't know. Um, the Jaguars are five and two. The Jacksonville Jaguars are five and two. I heard it's their best start in 16 years. Good for them, man. Uh, it's a great start to the year for them. Trevor Lawrence, their quarterback, played fantastic. Had like he was like 20 for 29 passing, 200 and something yards, 204 yards, I believe. Had a touchdown pass, no turnovers, which is awesome. And the shocking number number for Trevor Lawrence, he was actually the Jaguars' leading rusher in this game, which. You know, we knew going into the game, a dude has a sprained knee. Like, how is he going to move? Is he going to play at all? Comes into the game with a giant brace on his knee. Still had eight carries for 59 yards and was a leading rusher for the Jaguars. That's crazy, man. And uh, I think Trevor deserves a lot of credit. There's a throw that's, like, ingrained in my mind. It was third and seven. And uh, it was just across the board, perfect execution by the Jaguars. I forget who he threw the ball to. Um, but, it, you know, man, like... They split the coverage. It's zone coverage by the Saints. Receiver runs to the right landmark, finds green grass. Trevor finds him, hits him right uh, right as he gets out of his break. So perfect timing, perfect route by the receiver. Like textbook way to beat zone coverage on third down. The Jaguars offense, I thought, had kind of a slow start. They're looking really good now. Uh, the Jaguars defense was outstanding in this game. Their defensive side of the football, man. So the offense was great. The defense played great coverage. The defense got stops on the goal line. They got a lot of pressure on Derek Carr. I know when you look at the stats after the game, the Jaguars only had one sack, but I felt like all game long, the Jaguars' defense did a good job making Derek Carr uncomfortable in the pocket, meaning that they forced him to speed up as he went through his progressions, and he didn't have a lot of time to work from one to two to three to four. He was like one to two, and then the ball had to come out because there was bodies around him, and he had to get rid of it or take a sack. So, man, I thought the Jaguars all around. What a great win for them. Five and two, baby. Hallelujah. That's awesome. And uh, the Doug Peterson era could not be off to a better start. They made a playoff game last year. They won a playoff game last year. They're five and two in year two with Doug Peterson. Trevor Lawrence is looking good. That defense is looking good. Can we just take a moment to celebrate the Jaguars? They're five and two. And if you're a Jaguars fan, I can only imagine the joy you feel. It has been years and years and years for you guys. And uh, right now, the Jaguars are in a really, really good spot. Now, the New Orleans Saints are 3-4, and four, which for a team that has, I think, a good defense, a lot of good players all over their roster, it's really disappointing, man. The, the Saints are underachieving. They gave Derek Carr $150 million, $100 million guaranteed, and... They expected to start the year better than 3-4. and four. Let's just be honest about that. Derek Carr was 33 for 55 passing at 301 yards, had a touchdown pass and an interception. That interception was a pick six. He threw a—he just made a bad decision. Third and ten, I think he, he's been patient all night, throwing check down after check down after check down, getting constant pressure on him. Um, and I think the patience wore thin, and on third and ten, he steps up in the pocket, has pressure around him, 
forced to throw into coverage on third and 10. Ball got deflected up in the air, caught, ran for a touchdown by the Jaguars. That's a pick six. That's no good. And it's a reminder, like, how difficult discipline is, right? You you can be do for most of the game, Derek Carr did everything right. Patient, patient, check down, check down, two-yard ball to Kamara. Like, he's he wants the deep ball. He's irritated. It's not there. He throws another check down. Like, check down, check down, check down, check down, check down. And then guess what? He gets impatient one time. It goes for a pick six. Like, I think quarterback is so difficult, man. Like, people don't understand I just I I dare anyone to make 55 decisions during game. He threw the ball 55 times. I encourage you, make 55 decisions during a day and try to be perfect on those. Now it's different for Derek Carr. He's making you know hundreds of millions of dollars. So I'm not I'm not trying to make excuses for him. I just want to acknowledge that's a really difficult position to be in. Um, I also thought there was a really crappy throw on the goal line from Derek Carr early in the game. Third and goal, five yard line. He had. Michael Thomas in one-on-one coverage on a fade ball and threw just a crappy ball that was, like, not in the right location. Could have been a catch, probably, if he throws a better ball there. So everyone wants to blame Derek Carr. Everybody wants to blame Derek Carr, man. Like, people are coming after him. Um, And, you know, as I've talked about Derek Carr earlier in the year, I've said words like disappointing, underachieving. um, And definitely Derek Carr deserves some of the blame in New Orleans. But here is the thing that no one else is going to tell you. I really believe that. I, I, I love breaking down film. I love watching games. And what's unique about Thursday Night Football, you can watch on Prime Vision. Vision. So you can watch literally the All-22, read the defense pre-snap, see what's going on. Um, it's better than any other broadcast because you can basically watch film while you're watching the game live. It's amazing. And the Saints receivers are doing a really, really crappy job. They're cutting routes short of the first down marker. Uh, like Raheed... Shahid did that where on a third and four, he ran his route at three yards. It's like, dude, it's third and four. You got a crossing route coming across the middle of the field. You're open. Cut your route at four yards instead of three. You catch that and get the first down rather than catching that and being short, causing fourth and one. Um, You know, that's not Derek Carr's fault. The receiver has to get to the first down marker when you run your route. The Saints receivers were not adjusting routes very well to properly beat zone coverage. Like if there's zone coverage, there's two defenders here. You split the middle of them and find the green grass area. That's what Travis Kelsey does incredibly well in the Chiefs offense. Um, Crappy timing, cutting your route short, Um, you know, missed signals. There was a throw. It was Alvin Kamara. So he's a running back. It's not entirely fair to blame him, but you know, it is. No, it is is fair to blame him. It's just, he's a running back. He's not a normal receiver, but man, Alvin Kamara split out wide Derek Carr, second and 20, calls a hot route, gives him a a pre-snap look, gives him a little signal. He doesn't see the signal. Ball goes to the wrong place. Receiver Alvin Kamara runs straight downfield. It's like, man, those kind of mistakes cannot happen. These are things that are killing the Saints' offense. The mistakes in route running, I think, ultimately fall on their coaching staff. And the guy I want to point the spotlight on very brightly, no offense, but dude, Cody Burns, the receiving coach, in New Orleans, has to do a better job. It's driving me nuts, man. Hey, Cody, what are you doing? What's happening, man? Why are you not doing your job better? Like, I don't understand. Um, the, the benefit of playing on Thursdays, it's going to give New Orleans a long week between now and their next game. So they've got kind of like a mini bye week. And what they need to do is not let guys leave and go on little mini trips or whatever. You got to get in the film room. Like, you have to get in the film room and clean this stuff up because... 
I'm talking like high school style where you get the entire offense, you know, I guess everyone involved in throwing the football. So the receivers, Alvin Kamara, the coaches, Derek Carr, everyone's got to get in that film room and watch the game together and get on the same page. Because what you don't want is Derek Carr saying, you got to cut that route at eight yards. And Cody Burns, the receiving coach, is saying, cut it at nine or 10, and then you're not on the same page. Everyone's got to get on the same page because it could not be more clear watching that Saints offense. They're just, the word is not on the same page. I guess the words are not on the same page, the phrase, whatever you want to call it. But you got receivers running routes differently than Derek Carr expects them. They're missing signals. They're cutting routes short. It's a disaster when it comes to coaching the receiving pos- receiver position in New Orleans. That falls on Cody Burns, buddy. Like, you got to do a better job. And you got to sit in the same room, get on the same page. You're seven games into the year. You're three and four. It's a massive disappointment. And I feel like the Saints offense is really close, man. Like, they had to settle for a field goal four times. They made three of them. There were opportunities where those field goals could have been touchdowns. And the Saints were three for 18 on third down. They converted three of their 18 attempts on third down. That is ridiculously bad. That cannot happen. There's too many little avoidable mistakes and avoidable mistakes that you can fix. You can fix everything wrong with the Saints offense by simply sitting everyone down and getting on the same page. It's inexcusable for this to happen to an NFL team. But what's key about this is that it's not all on Derek Carr. Derek Carr is going to get the brunt of the blame because he's a quarterback. But when your receiver is not running to green grass against zone coverage or you're cutting a route short or you're running your route differently than normal so the timing is off, that's not on Derek Carr, man. And... I just, it's really killing me. Like, they have to execute the little details better in route running. Again, find green grass and zone coverage. Adjust your route a little bit. Don't run right into a defender. <laughs> Third and five, Chris Olave runs right into a defender rather than drifting inside, finding green grass on a hitch route. Uh, how about you can't miss a hot route signal pre-snap. You got to run your route deeper. Get to the landmarks for the first down. These little things in route running are destroying the Saints' offense, and it's driving me nuts. Watching them was like, I mean, they made it a game. They scored 15 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. They made it uh, 24-24. Somehow they ended up in the game, but that was a winnable game for the New Orleans Saints if they execute better on offense, and they had opportunities that they missed. And as a guy who loves football, I love quarterback, I I love coaching, man. That stuff cannot happen. It's inexcusable. And so... When you talk to your friends and you talk about Derek Carr, don't just say he's garbage, man. Tell people, hey, this is not all on Derek Carr. The coaching staff, especially, hey, Cody Burns, the <laughs> the receiving coach in Cincinnati, in, in uh, New Orleans, man. Cody Burns, the receiving coach in New Orleans, is not doing a good job. And they have to all sit in the same room and get on the same page because... It's hurting their season. It's ruining their offense. It's making their quarterback look bad. And if I'm Derek Carr, like Derek Carr is getting increasingly frustrated. I don't know what's happening. Maybe they've been talking about this stuff for weeks now, but the mistakes have to get cleaned up in New Orleans. Uh, By the way, if you've been watching the games on Prime Vision, my favorite way to watch football in the world is on Amazon Prime Vision, where it's like... It's an alternate broadcast with the All-22 version. You hear Chris, uh, sorry, you hear Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit in your ear doing the broadcast, and you get to watch the game from a different angle so you can see the defense pre-snap, and it's easier to watch. It's like watching film, but live. However, there is one thing about Prime Vision that is increasingly making me want to rip my eyeballs out. About every 15 minutes, this guy Sam Schwartzstein comes on and 
He just interjects. He's not invited. I don't want him there. I don't need him there. He's this little analytics nerd that's like, hey, um, th this week, uh, there's a 59% chance that if the Jaguars, you know, have scripted plays, they're going to score. But when they're not scripted, they're going to score 36% of the time. Dude, I don't care. I, I, do you ever play football? I don't know who you are. You're not a broadcaster. He's not well-spoken. And the product I love that is Prime Vision. Prime Vision is a thing that is so good. I want every single network to broadcast every single game that way. I want a wider field of view. I want to see the entire all 22 players on the field at the same time. But this guy, Sam Schwartzstein, is going to keep that from being widely available because it's bad. It's hurting the product. Sam, I love you, man. If you want this cool thing to work, you probably got to get off screen. I know it's never going to happen because you're making money doing it. But, hey, Amazon, Sam Schwartzstein is not a broadcaster. He's not well-spoken. He doesn't have interesting facts. He's not helpful to watch. In fact, all he does is hurt the broadcast. He cuts in like every 15 minutes uninvited, intruding on my enjoyment of listening to Al Michaels talk about football. Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreit are fine. We don't need... His nonsense stat crap every 15 minutes, it's unnecessary, and it's turning a broadcast that I love into a thing that's making it, I think it's it's a turnoff for people. Like, a, a thing that's an amazing idea is pushing people away because you got this annoying guy just butting in on the broadcast for no reason. And so, guys, Amazon, how do I say this nicely? <laughs> I don't know that there's a way. We don't need Sam Schwartzstein. He's, a, I'm sure, a nice man, but he's a terrible broadcaster, and he doesn't add anything to the product. In fact, all he's doing is hurting it and allowing and causing people to really think in the back of their heads, like, you know, I don't need to be watching it this way, do I? And you don't. So if you want Amazon Prime Vision to succeed, which I do, because it's an amazing way to watch football, get this guy off screen. It's a turnoff for people, and he's not helping the broadcast at all. If you need someone to interject every 15 minutes on Amazon Prime who can actually finish a sentence without going, <laughs> you know, um, the if they run, um, they, they stuttering. And no, I just, I feel like I'm being mean. I'm sorry. The dude is not a broadcaster. He should not be talking to millions of people on Thursday Night Football. And uh, it's killing me. All right, um, we got to take a short break. I got to pay the bills. I know, I feel weird attacking another broadcaster, right? I... I don't know what you consider me. I'm just a guy who talks about football on the internet, and uh, who am I to judge anyone? But I love, I, I've become a, a defender of Prime Vision. It's like really good. And to see this guy hurting a thing that I love and want to succeed, mm, it grinds my gears, man. It's a missed opportunity, and I hate inefficiencies, just like watching the Saints offense. So Sam Schwartzstein, Get out of here. We don't need you, man. You're ruining a good thing, and you're going to make it so this doesn't become a widely available thing and a widely used way to watch football. <sighs> I'm fired up. Um, I got to take a short break. I got to buy food. I got to pay my rent. Got to pay my bills. So take a listen from our, to me. This will be me sharing a word from our sponsor, and we love our sponsors because they make this show possible. So sponsors, we love you. The show is brought to you also by Factor Meals. Go to factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 to get 50% off. That's code SOS50 at factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off. Dude, it's such a good deal. I think food is, uh, I, I would, you know, very carefully say it's a necessity. And food at a low cost 
50% off. It's a big deal. On top of that, what Factor Meals allow you to have is food that's really good, high quality, and quick. You know what I do in the morning? I wake up at 5 in the morning. I shower. I try to get my bathroom routine all done before my roommate gets up to go to her job. So I get up at 5. I shower. And then I make breakfast. And breakfast takes like 45 minutes. It takes a long time for you, boy, Zach. I make eggs, some kind of meat, spam. I'll admit hot dogs sometimes, rice, a lot of hot sauce. I love it. I, I love it. Spam, rice, hot dogs, whatever you want to, whatever the meat is, and then eggs. That's that's your boy Zach's meal every morning. And uh, it takes a long time. You know what I would love? Really affordable food that's easy to heat up and doesn't take me 45 minutes to prepare. And it's good. Natural ingredients, good stuff for you. They can match whatever you're looking for to get out of it, whether you want just good food, maybe you want some kind of diet. They can match whatever you're looking for and give you food that meets your needs. But if you want to find cheap food that is affordable and can be prepared quickly, which I know a lot of, look, we're running around. It's fall. It's busy. You're doing whatever you got to do. You're trying to make your family happy, going to Thanksgiving and stuff. You're trying to get ready for Christmas. Uh, Factormeals.com slash SOS50. Factormeals.com slash SOS50 and use code SOS50 to get 50% off. That's code SOS50 at Factormeals.com slash SOS50 to get 50% off, which to me, look, I know some of y'all out there, you use DoorDash. You're ordering food from delivery services. This is so much cheaper. It's faster. It's right there ready for you. And it's high quality food. All you got to do is heat it up. And some of the stuff they got, what do they have? They have bacon and egg breakfast skillet, bacon and cheddar egg bites, potato bacon and egg breakfast skillet. I got that wrong. Apple cinnamon pancakes, great breakfast stuff. They're really pushing breakfast this year. Uh broccolini, leeks, truffle butter, asparagus, high-quality ingredients at factormeals.com slash SOS50 for 50% off a factor meal kit. Highly recommended. Their food is great and easy to prepare and quick. All right, we are back. Welcome in. This weekend is NFL Week 7. There are one, two, three, four, five, six teams that have a bye week. So Cincinnati, Dallas, Tennessee, the Jets... Carolina and Houston all are not going to play this week, and they have their bye week. To me, as I look at the rest of NFL Week 7 after this game on Thursday night we just talked about, uh, there are two clear best games in mind. Games that stand out to me where I go, ooh, I can't wait to watch that one. I can't wait to watch that one. Game number one, the Chargers play at Kansas City. The Chargers are 2-3. and three. They've been underachieving this year, not a... Not a rare thing for Brandon Staley's Chargers teams. The Chiefs are 5-1. and one. And what I see in this game is a huge opportunity for the LA Chargers to really kind of have a big win against Kansas City. They lost last week on Monday Night Football. For them to bounce back against Kansas City and maybe win would be huge for them. They would be 3-3. Three and three. Um, If the Chargers lose on Sunday, they will become 2-4. and four. That's a monumental difference. Two and four compared to three and three. Three and three, you keep your season alive, you're in good shape. Two and four just feels like a huge mountain to climb and a disaster in the making. So monumental game. Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes. You know anytime Patrick Mahomes is playing, it's a treat. And if there are people at this game in Kansas City, you got to understand, you're getting to watch two of the best guys throwing the football in the NFL. I've criticized Justin Herbert. He makes his mistakes, but man, the dude can throw the football like no 
other. And if you love high-level quarterback play, incredible throws, high-level stuff at the quarterback position, this game, I believe, is going to deliver exactly that on Sunday in Kansas City. Here's a question I don't know the answer to. Do they play in Kansas City, Kansas, or Kansas City, Missouri? Where is the stadium at? I should know that, but I don't. And I feel kind of embarrassed that I don't know that. Um, I'll look it up. You know what? Let's find out. Let's look it up. I'm curious. I think it's we're, we're doing a show. It's a podcast. We can have fun with it. Um, Kansas City Chiefs Stadium location. Where do they play? Let's find out. They play in... Oh, come on. Missouri, baby. Oh, they play in Kansas City, Missouri, not Kansas. Okay. All right. Um, Sunday night football is going to be another really, really incredible football game this weekend. So we got Chargers, Kansas City. That's going to be awesome. But we also have Miami at Philly. Both teams are 5-1. and one, And Philly went to the Super Bowl last year. Both, of te- both teams, Miami and Philly, are Super Bowl favorites this year. I would say that the 49ers are a little bit more of a favorite than Philly, but man, it's neck and neck. And uh, the Super Bowl I really want, by the way, is Miami and the 49ers. But I'll take Miami-Philly. I think we're going to get a preview of a potential Super Bowl matchup in this game on Sunday. I cannot wait. These are two of the best teams in football. You've got this incredible offense in Miami. Tyreek Hill, Tua, Jalen Waddell. And then you got the Eagles quarterback, Jalen Hurts, who... Uh, Jalen Hurts, I mean, the Eagles are winning. They're 5-1. and one. But I think you could very easily argue Jalen Hurts has had a really slow start to the year. Eight touchdowns on the year, eight turnovers on the year as well. So seven touchdown passes, seven interceptions, a touchdown run, and a fumble. Um, I am really curious to see how Jalen Hurts plays in this football game. By the way, there are deep ties to Alabama in this football game. Tua and Jalen Hurts both played for Alabama. Remember, Jalen Hurts was the starting quarterback. He lost his job in the national title game. Tua became the starting quarterback at Alabama. Then later, like the next year, in the SEC championship game against Georgia, Tua got hurt. Jalen Hurts came in and won the game for Alabama. Eventually, you know, Tua took Jalen's job. Jalen Hurts had to transfer to get on the field, go to Oklahoma. These guys know each other well. They've been on the same field before. Um, There are deep ties in this game. I don't think they don't like each other. I think they're actually friends and get along. Um, But certainly it's interesting. A old college I don't know if rivalry is the right thing. An old college quarterback competition, I guess, coming back to the, the what's the word, primetime on Sunday night football between Miami and Philly. Jalen Hurts against Tua, a great defense in Philly against an incredible offense in Miami. I cannot wait for this one, and I really want to see how Jalen Hurts plays. Again, he's had a slow start to the year, but I love Jalen Hurts, man. He really is the kind of guy that I don't think is wavered by and bothered by a bad start. He gets better every year I watch him, and... Uh, Man, I can't wait to see what Jalen Hurts turns out in this football game. How does he play in a monumental game on Sunday night at home against Miami and against his former quarterback competition, Tua? Cleveland plays Indy on Sunday. Um, I think Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson is going to play, I think. I think he'll be healthy enough to play. I'm not really sure. I hope so. He's my fantasy football quarterback, so please, can he get on the field? I would love that. Um, Colts quarterback Gardner Minshew is going to be starting for them. I can't wait for that. You know, Anthony Richardson is out. That's really sad. I love him. But I love me some Minshew mania. And we might see that on Sunday. Now, unfortunately for Gardner, as much as I love watching him and rooting for him, he is going to be playing against the number one defense in the NFL, the Cleveland Browns defense. That is terrifying. As a guy who loves Gardner, I'm worried for him. I am really curious, by the way, if Colts running back Jonathan Taylor 
is going to have a big impact in this game. They gave him a really big contract, but in the last couple of games since he's been back, they haven't used him very much. And uh, Zach Moss, their, what was their number one running back in Indy, has been rolling, been doing really well. I understand not wanting to you know, take Zach Moss off the field. He's playing great. But also, you paid Jonathan Taylor a ton of money. I feel like you probably should use him, right? So, I don't know, man. I understand. They've been likely... They've been easing Jonathan Taylor back into things. He, he missed training camp, was out for a lot of time. You know, he's, he wants to get back into football shape, and there's no hurry. Zach Moss is playing great. But I wonder what kind of impact will Jonathan Taylor have in this game against Cleveland. The Raiders play at Chicago this weekend. Uh, both starting quarterbacks are injured and will not play. Jimmy Garoppolo's got a back injury. Chicago Bears quarterback Justin Fields has a dislocated thumb on his throwing hand. That's unfortunate. It's sad. Uh, what I do think is kind of cool about this game, though, the Bears quarterback for Sunday will be rookie quarterback Tyson Bajan, who played last year Division II football. This time last year, he was a starting quarterback at a Division II college, Shepard. A year later, he, he was still playing football in December last year, by the way, so less than a year since he last played his final college football game, in Division Two at Shepard, he will be the Bears' starting quarterback on Sunday in Chicago. How incredible is that? Tyson Bajant, I liked him during the preseason. He can run a little bit. Good decision maker. Got a good arm. I have no idea how he's going to do on in you know on Sunday against the Raiders' defense. Preseason does not necessarily translate to the NFL. We saw that with Dorian Thompson Robinson. The Browns' backup was fantastic in the preseason. He got a shot to start earlier this year, and he was bad. So we'll see. Um, we're also not really sure who the Raiders quarterback is going to be on Sunday. They're either going to start Brian Hoyer or Aiden O'Connell. Week four, when Jimmy Garoppolo was injured going into the game, they started Aiden O'Connell. But then when Jimmy Garoppolo got hurt mid-game last week against Green Bay, they went with Brian Hoyer. So I have no idea who the starting quarterback for the Raiders is going to be. I would imagine we'll know like Saturday or Sunday. We'll know, but by, hopefully not by the time this episode comes out because I want to be as current as I can. But right now, we don't know who the quarterback for the Raiders is going to be on Sunday. And uh, personally, I want to watch Aiden O'Connell. I love young rookie quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, it could be a, a matchup of Aiden O'Connell and Tyson Pageant. Two rookie quarterbacks in one game. That sounds like heaven to me. I want to watch that. Sounds like a lot of fun. Buffalo plays New England on Sunday. The Bills are 4-2. and two. Technically, anything can happen, but the Patriots are 1-5 and five and total garbage. It's hard to imagine the Patriots beating Buffalo. I, anything can happen, I guess, but I like Buffalo to win that game on Sunday. The Washington Commanders play the Giants. The Giants are 1-5. and five. Their offensive line is garbage. I think this is a great opportunity for the Washington Commanders to look really good and win a football game. They're 3-3. Three and three. They could go 4-3 and three after this win. I want to see that Washington Commanders defensive line have a great game, especially Chase Young, their number two overall pick in 2020. Dude only has three sacks in six games this year. Here's a great opportunity. Washington, be the team I want you to be. Be the team I know you can be. Sam Howell, have a great game. Commanders defensive line have a great game. I want to see Washington tee off and have an incredible win against the Giants. Uh, no offense, Giants fans. I just I know there's potential on Washington, and I've been waiting to see it for a long time. I think it's building towards a really good performance on Sunday against the Giants. Funny enough, though, the Giants and Commanders are the two teams that have given up the most sacks in football. You would actually think the Giants have given up the most sacks in football. The Giants have given up 
33 sacks on the year. But actually, Washington has given up the very most sacks in football this year with 34. One more sack than the Giants have given up all year. That's wild. And a lot of that is because quarterbacks are holding on to the ball too long for both teams. And, uh, man, I am really—I just—Washington, I want to see Washington tee off and have a great game against the Giants on Sunday. No offense to Giants fans, but I think there's potential in Washington. I want to see Sam Howell become their long-term quarterback. Let's see it on Sunday. Next, we have Atlanta plays at Tampa. This is a really big NFC South game. Atlanta's 3-3. Tampa is 3-2. All eyes are on Atlanta quarterback Desmond Ritter. He had three interceptions last week. Tampa quarterback Baker Mayfield only has three all year. So Tampa's got a good defense, and I am really interested to see how the second-year quarterback, first-year starter, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback in Atlanta, does on the road against a pretty good Tampa Bay defense. Lions and Ravens play this weekend. That's a really fun game. Uh, Detroit is 5-1, and one, and their fan base, this game is in Baltimore. The Lions fan base travels really, really well. They, basically, every away game has been a partial home game for the Lions. Their fans are everywhere. Detroit's 5-1, and one, and I think they're going to get tested by a pretty good Ravens team on Sunday. I'm really, really curious to see how the Ravens' offense looks. They've had opportunities this year. They had a game where they dropped three touchdowns against Pittsburgh. Um, the, the Ravens' offense has made mistakes. I think they've underperformed by my standard and my expectation. And the Lions have a top-10 defense, so that's going to be a fun matchup. However, quietly, very quietly, I think gone under the radar by a lot, the Ravens actually have the number two ranked defense in the NFL behind Cleveland. Like statistically, they've given up the fewest yards other than Cleveland, who's played one fewer game than them. So I think it's a really interesting battle. Five and one Detroit, four and two Ravens. That's going to be an incredible football game. And uh, Jared Goff, Lamar Jackson, I think we're headed towards a really, really fun game on Sunday in Baltimore. The Pittsburgh Steelers play the L.A. Rams. Game is in L.A., which is, uh, there's going to be a lot of Steelers fans there. My friend Devin does the Here We Go show. He's going to be at the game. He's coming on the show tomorrow. That'll be really fun. Really interesting game. Uh, the Steelers' offense has been struggling. The Rams are 3-3, three and three, and all the Rams' losses have been competitive and compelling and interesting. They've been close battles. I think the Rams have an edge here. I like the Rams to win this football game. But, I mean, the X factor, as always, is T.J. Watt and the Steelers' defense. What kind of havoc can they create for Matthew Stafford and the Rams' offense? Arizona plays at Seattle. Arizona is 1-5. Seattle is 3-2. I view this game, no offense to Arizona, but as a great opportunity for Seattle to win a football game here. Um, I would call this almost a must-win game for Seattle. Seattle's 3-3. Sorry, Seattle's 3-2. Four and two sounds a lot better than three and three. Does that make sense? Like, I think having to be ahead of 500, four and two for Seattle, as far as the playoff picture goes, Arizona's not garbage. I don't want to talk bad of them because their coach has done a good job and they beat Dallas and they've been doing, despite the fact that they're one and five and they've actually been blown out like 95 to 45 in the last three weeks. But I, I don't want to hate on Arizona. They've done some good stuff this year. But a team like Arizona, who's 1-5 against Seattle, who is a borderline playoff team, it's a team Seattle should beat. So Seattle at home against Arizona. I think all the pressure's on Seattle, and I want to see Seattle pull this one out and win on Sunday. The Packers play at Denver on Sunday. The Packers are 2-3. and three. 
Jordan Love, the young quarterback for the Green Bay Packers, is coming off a really tough three-interception game last week on Monday Night Football against the Raiders. Was that last week or two weeks ago? It's funny. The weeks all blend together now. Uh, But to me, this is a really good opportunity for Jordan Love to bounce back and... The Denver Broncos have the worst defense in football. So it's a great opportunity for him to look really good and get some confidence and get some rhythm going. Denver's all bad. They're one in five. They've got an overpaid quarterback. I, I have no idea. Like their season has just been a disaster so far. And I find myself really curious to see how Denver's going to show up on Sunday uh, hosting Green Bay. Finally, on Monday night football, the 49ers play at Minnesota. I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I know, like, Minnesota's 2-4, and four, although all four of their losses are by one score. So, like, Minnesota's right there and very close to being undefeated or 4-2, and two, like, having a much better record than they have now. The 49ers are 5-1. and one. I expect Minnesota to make this game interesting. I feel like they always do. Minnesota probably loses this game. I like the 49ers to win. But Minnesota, they'll make it competitive, and they'll then they'll find some goofy way at the end to lose, most likely— Kirk Cousins, their quarterback, is second in the NFL in passing. I mean, I really think that people are overlooking. I, I, Minnesota's not garbage. I know it looks like Kirk Cousins is going to leave. They're two and four, but I don't think Minnesota's a team that's got to totally rebuild and tear down everything. They just got to make a couple tweaks here and there. I think they can compete with the 49ers on Monday, although, again, I believe the 49ers will win. In college football this weekend, I talked about this game already this week, but we've got a monumental massive game. It's on Saturday morning at 6 a.m. Number seven, Penn State, 6 a.m. my time in Hawaii, by the way. So I'll be getting up bright and early like, all right, let's watch some football. Number seven, Penn State plays at number three, Ohio State. I cannot wait. The horseshoe's going to be going crazy in Columbus. They're going to be loud. I want to see Drew Aller on the road for Penn State, that young quarterback there, and see how he does in a really tough environment. I cannot wait for that. Three more good games in college football this weekend. You got number 16, Duke, who's 5-1. and one. Their only loss is at the last moment to Notre Dame. Duke is playing at number 4, Florida State, who's 6-0. and oh, That's a huge game. Uh, number 17, Tennessee, plays at number 11, Alabama. Both teams only have one loss on the year. That's a great game. And then I think a game that's got some late Saturday night intrigue is number 14, Utah, at number 18, USC. Both of these teams only have one loss. Utah's 5-1, and one, USC is 6-1. and one. And what I want to look for in this football game, USC quarterback Caleb Williams, former Heisman Trophy winner, I think the best quarterback in college football by a mile, is coming off a really bad game last week where he had three interceptions against Notre Dame. And the whole media cycle this week has been trashing on Caleb Williams. He's crazy. He's overrated. He's this. He's that. Okay, shut up. Let's see what he does against Utah. I think he's going to be fantastic. And I'm eager to watch Caleb Williams bounce back at home against a pretty good Utah team with a pretty good defense. All right. Um, We have been flying by this show. Uh, Today, we're doing Patreon questions. If you want to support the show, you go to patreon.com slash Zach Shomler, patreon.com slash Zach Shomler. If you want to donate, it's a dollar a month. You can donate more if you want to, please do. It literally pays my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on Patreon. Now, uh, I do not guarantee to read your question on the show, although it is pretty likely. I read everything with my eyeballs. My only guarantee is, in fact, I look at every write-in with my eyeballs, and then I pick the top couple to read on the show 
Uh, let's start today with SDS 4800, but I want to tell you about a heart attack moment I had just a moment ago. I was looking at my camera. I was looking at my recording device. I got an audio interface here, a Zoom, uh, I believe P4 is what it's called. And I was like, I, for a second, I didn't see the light on the recording device. I'm like, have I been talking just to a recording camera with no audio rolling this entire time? And I almost panicked. I freaked out. I was like, <gasps> but it's all good. We've been recording audio. Everything is fine. By the way, I feel myself talking really quickly today. I'm not sure what that's about. I swear I'm not on drugs. I feel like I'm going 100 miles an hour. I, I couldn't tell you what that is. Let's jump into SDS 4800's question. SDS4800 writes in, he says, goofy question, but fitting for the season, the time of year. It's October. Happy Halloween, everybody. Uh, Jason Voorhees or Leatherface or any crazy serial killer has their weapons to your throat. And instead of killing you outright, they decide that your fate relies on a group of five college football upset against a powerhouse. One is Akron facing off against Michigan. Two is New Mexico State playing Clemson. And three is Tulsa playing Alabama. Which game do you pick in a last-ditch effort to save yourself? Let's be clear. If I had to choose a, a group of five team to upset a major powerhouse, I would just die. If that was what was going to save my life, I would probably die, right? I'm not going to make it. It's not possible. Uh, but what I will say, the only thing I can really say here is that I would bet on Clemson losing. They're playing New Mexico State in this proposed idea. I don't really care who Clemson is winning. I, I trust them to lose more than I believe Alabama or Michigan is going to lose this year. Um, you know, I saw Clemson. I watched this game live when they lost to Duke 28 to seven. And right now Clemson's not even ranked in college football. So Clemson is by far the team. I trust the least. If I had to pick a team to lose to save my life, literally I would pick Clemson. I think that's the most likely team to lose against a group of five underdog a bear writes in, a bear says, hey, Zach, a couple weeks ago, you mentioned wanting to do something to try and solve the problems in our world. You speculated about bringing on viewers to have conversations about life and politics and help people grow and understand different viewpoints. If I remember correctly, you're responding to a Patreon question about Zach Shomler talking. I just want to say you could definitely do that. I remember I got super excited over a year ago when you were talking about road tripping through America and interviewing fans about life because I think you have a really good demeanor and you'd be able to make a real difference. Thank you for the great content as usual. Um, I appreciate that, Abair. Um, I, if you haven't, there's a really great episode I did of my other podcast, Zach Shomler Talking, an interview with Ethan. I believe it's episode 40 of Zach Shomler Talking. You can find it on YouTube. I'm really, really proud of that episode. That's the kind of content, if I could make whatever I wanted and just, you know, if I was, like, retired, I could just make whatever. I mean, I have so many ideas for content I'd love to make. I'd love to make a movie podcast. I'd love to review video games. But really what I want to do is travel. Like, I want to make content about traveling and talking to people and interviewing people, like Anthony Bourdain style. That's, like, what my heart really wants to do. Um, and I think the closest example to anything I've ever done doing that is interviewing Ethan on Zach Schaumler Talking, episode 40. That's fantastic. Right now, uh, I got a lot of responsibilities. I'm trying to not die and pay my bills and just keep everything afloat. Um, but someday, if your boy is really rich or, I mean, maybe if I just make a change and can make, you know, the content I see in my head is me traveling and interviewing people. And, you know, it's more vlog style. Like me, like who wants to get in a truck with me and, and drive around to go on adventures? That sounds really fun to me to make. 
Um, and uh, I see a future where that potentially does happen. Like I, the ideas are going on in my head and I'm like, mm, you know, huh. Anyway, uh, Ben writes in, Ben says, hey, Zach, as a Lions fan, by the way, I think I should be clear. I am booked out. I know last year uh, we had problems finishing the football season. Uh, I have sponsors through February. I, the show is not going anywhere. If anyone's worried from what I just said, like, oh, no, he's going to leave. No, 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 no. Um, I literally contractually cannot stop doing strong opinion sports. I like I have uh, sponsors booked out for a long, long time. I'm very excited about that. Uh, we're making money. We're doing okay. Trying to just, I mean, we're doing, we're doing okay. We're not doing great, but we're keeping the lights alive and paying our rent every month. And, uh, you know, um, the show is not going anywhere. I didn't mean to talk about that to like scare people. I just, I have a heart for like, I would love to do other stuff too. And right now I'm maxed out and can't do anything else. Uh, Ben writes in, Ben says, Hey Zach, as a Lions fan, I've seen a lot of people talking about Jameer Gibbs limited use and some uh, going as far as saying Brad Holmes made a terrible pick by drafting him number 12 overall in the draft. To me, it's obvious they are thinking about the long term and keeping him fresh for later in the year when it'll be more important. I think this is a very smart move considering how injury prone many top running backs around the league have been lately. I am curious to hear your thoughts on the situation. Was it a bad pick? Let's talk about the Jameer Gibbs draft pick. Um, first of all, the pick has potential. Jameer Gibbs is really talented. I actually drafted him uh, in my fantasy league because I loved him. He was like my first or second pick. I can't remember if I drafted him or Calvin Ridley first, but I really believed in both players. I drafted Jameer Gibbs like beginning, you know, first round of my first or second round of my draft. I loved him. Um, I think I remember I have, I have a giant 16 team league. I was the bottom. I was the 14th pick of the league. So I had to, I was scrambling for whatever I could. And I really believed in Jameer Gibbs. That's been a horrible pick for me, by the way. It's been miserable. But I still think he's got potential. He's a really talented athlete, catches the ball well out of the backfield. I've been a couple times where he catches a screen pass and he can't quite get to open space. But like you see the acceleration and you're like, oh man, if we can get Jameer Gibbs in open space, he's going to be gone. Um, I also like the Lions are five and one. They're not, if they were losing without using Jameer Gibbs, that would be worthy of criticism, but they're five and one. They look fantastic. And David Montgomery, the other running back in Detroit is playing really, really well as well. So you can't really criticize Detroit because what they're doing right now is working. Um, are they doing it to keep Jameer Gibbs healthy? I don't think so. I think they just want to win and they're doing whatever it takes to win. I also, you know, a couple times I've watched Jameer Gibbs this year and they try to have him run between the tackles and he bounces it outside and doesn't quite seem to be philosophically understanding what they're trying to do. Whereas David Montgomery hits a hole really hard, lowers his shoulder, does what I think Dan Campbell wants from his running back. Um, here is the concern about Jameer Gibbs. Here is where I could see this getting off the rails. Is it possible Jameer Gibbs ends up being something similar to like when the Saints drafted Reggie Bush? I was there for that. I remember that. I watched the 2006 to 2010 Saints religiously. I loved that team. Sean Payton, Drew Brees, Reggie Bush, Deuce McAllister. It was incredible. And they drafted Reggie Bush right after Mario Williams, number two overall, out of USC. And he was more of a speed back. He was kind of a scat back, receiving, running back, whatever you want to call it. He was drafted by New Orleans. He was there for five years. And Reggie Bush never ran for more than 600 yards in New Orleans. He was actually outshined by Deuce McAllister, Pierre Thomas, even that guy, Chris Ivory at one point was like the leading rusher uh, the last year that Reggie Bush was there. Like, you know... Reggie Bush never really became the star running back they hoped he would be 
when they drafted him. He ended up being more of like a symbolic icon of their, you know, push towards becoming a great franchise again. And, you know, Reggie Bush ran for a thousand yards twice in his career, neither of them by the team with the team that drafted him. In 2011, he ran for a thousand yards in Miami and for like 900 the next year. And then in 2013, he went to Detroit actually and ran for a thousand yards. So Reggie Bush never really became what the Saints drafted him to be. Given the they've got a similar skill set, more of a guy who's more speed than power, great with his hands at receiving passes, more of a home run hitter. That, the idea, when you look at Jameer Gibbs, I see a lot of parallels to Reggie Bush, and I wonder, are they going to have a similar career path? I'm not sure. Uh, but that's really the only concern. I think Jameer Gibbs is so young. It's early. He's got a lot of potential. Um, if you're... I, I can't say this enough. We are six weeks into the NFL season. If you're calling any rookie player that was drafted in the first round of bust, you're insane. That's so dumb. That is so, so dumb. I hate the way the world is right now where we rush so quickly to judge people and attack them like, hey, you know, you want to, I criticized Justin Herbert the other day. Also, I don't think that harshly, but I was like, look, he's been in the league for years now. He's never won a playoff game. That's fair. But also... Justin Herbert's on a bust. Uh, and people are so quick. I think I was talking about this with Logan yesterday on the show. People, he said people are so quick to be right that they rush out an opinion and want to be the first one to say it. Can we stop that behavior? It's ridiculous. I hate it so much. I drag my feet on every opinion I have. I wait until I'm forced to say it because there's no, I realize financially that really hurts me, right? If I was the hot take guy, Jameer Gibbs is a bust. This guy, that guy, hot take, hot take. Like that would get more views. But I hate that that's the state of the sports media. It drives me crazy. It is completely, pardon my French, batshit fucking crazy to say Jameer Gibbs six games into the year is a bust. Are you kidding me? Are you, one more time, are you fucking serious? No way. No way is Jameer Gibbs six games into his NFL career being called a bust. What are we doing as a world that loves sports? How is it possible that we are so quick to come up with some hot take that we make something as ridiculous as that, a sentence that comes out of our mouths? What? <sighs> Got passionate there. Can you tell I love the sports media environment right now? It's killing me. Um, but no, it's, it's absurd to call Jameer Gibbs a bust after six games as a rookie running back. That's just, he, by the way, he's only played in four. He missed two with a hamstring injury. What do you want from him? It's crazy. Like, it's so... Oh, BFC, BFC. I love that. That's a really fun. I oh, that's a that's that's Zach in rare form today, right? Like I I don't drop f bombs very often, but when I do, oh, they come hot. They're like little Caesars. They come out hot and ready. Uh, let's read a question from Donovan. Donovan writes in and says. What up, Big Z? I like, I like Big Z. That one's fun. Zach Attack, Big Z, all these. You can use that when you write in if you want. Donovan says, my name is Donovan, and I'm a broken fan. Uh, I mean, a uh, Broncos fan. <laughs> pretty much the same thing at this point. Uh, and he wrote that, not me. He wrote pretty much the same thing at this point. So that's not even me being clever. That's Donovan writing a, a really hilarious write-in. Uh, he says, I wanted to ask questions regarding my team all season long, but they are so poo-poo that I no longer even want to talk about them. I don't understand why our defense finally looks not... Finally looks uh, not bottom five just for our offense to have easily their worst game of the year. Our defense has been abysmal through week five. Then they have a great performance against Kansas City. And we made Mahomes look human after making Howell and Fields look like superstars. 
and our offense couldn't capitalize to extend our losing streak against the Chiefs to 16. Now that I'm done complaining about my team, I've got a much more important thing to ask about. How do you feel about George Kittle's, uh, it's, it's bleeped, he says, F, star, 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 his uh, third time of the day, I apologize, pardon my French, his Dallas shirt, right? We're hot, it's Friday. Um, personally, as someone living in Houston, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Do you think things like this make the NFL more enjoyable? I might bleep out that third one, right? We did two, we kind of hit the limit. I feel like two is enough. Uh, I try to I try to keep it clean. Show like on the the iTunes rating it says clean, so I got to keep pretty close to that. I, I can have maybe enough bombs slip through the cracks, but you know, whoopsie daisy. <laughs> um, the shirt was fun. George Kittle f Dallas shirt. I love that stuff. Uh, George Kittle got fined. Frankly, I think that the NFL is really really limiting, and they regulate way too many things. I wish the NFL allowed more trash talk. I wish the NFL. I forget right now in the moment, is it the NFL or college that doesn't allow you to take your helmet off? Like, why can't you celebrate in sports, I, especially football? Do you realize the reason why people watch football, college or NFL, is for entertainment? It's their favorite television show every week. I get to watch my favorite team on Sunday play football. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Me personally, I pick a couple primetime games every weekend. That's the highlight of my weekend. I'm there for fun. And if a player wants to trash talk the opposing team, that's awesome. I love that. I can't, like when you make a big catch, why can't you stand over the defender and look at him? Why is that not allowed? That's, I've seen taunting penalties like crazy in the NFL this year. That's absurd to me. Again, are we not here to enjoy watching football and have a spectacle and have fun with it? I don't know, man. It really irritates me that we can't enjoy and allow people to trash talk and kind of have personality. Eh, it's killing me, man. Um, Justin writes in. Whoa, you hear that? The The chair made a sound. I don't know if you heard that, but the chair made a sound that it is not repeating. Um, Josie Rogsky, which I hope is not a slur, says, Hi, Zach. That's his name. J-O-Z-I Rogsky? Rogsky? Josie Rajki, <laughs> again, I, that could mean something terrible like in Turkish. I have no idea. Um, hi, Zach. In a recent episode, you spoke about how offensive line play in the NFL right now is really bad. I was just thinking about how great the Detroit Lions are right now for a change, and it occurred to me that they may, the, they may be the exception to your observation about offensive line play. I've been watching more of the Lions games this year than I have most teams, and I like a lot of their players. It's, exci it's exciting to see them actually being good, although admittedly, I watch them more when they're on defense as I love watching Aiden Hutchinson. That kid is fierce. But from what I've seen when watching the Lions on offense, it looks like Jared Goff has a sturdy pocket there. It looks like the offensive line is holding the pressure off as well, giving him the time and support he needs to utilize his offensive weapons. So my question is, would it be reasonable to suggest that the Lions have one of the best offensive lines in the league right now? I do think it's probably a top 10 offensive line, but it could be top five, maybe? But could it be top five? Can you think of five different offensive lines that are currently performing better 
than the Lions' offensive line. I cannot think of five better offensive lines than Detroit. I would say, uh, I don't have a lot to, I like what you wrote in, a lot of information there. I would just say I, I agree with you. I think that um, I'm entirely comfortable saying that Philadelphia and Detroit have the two best offensive lines in football. I, I don't really care who's better. They're, just, they're both incredible and deserve respect. Um, I mean, the, the push that both teams are getting in the running game is crazy. Like the holes are <laughs> holes are wide open. The gaps are huge. They're moving defenders like crazy. Uh, so yeah, six weeks into the year, I would say the two best offensive lines I have personally observed are Philadelphia and Detroit. But if you want to write in, tell me, is your offensive line better? Like if you love your team's offensive line, write in, let me know. Uh, what what offensive lines am I missing? But the two that come to mind for me are Philly and Detroit. And uh, Turkish slur named Josie Rajki. I totally agree with you. <laughs> Justin writes in, hopefully not Justin Herbert. Justin, you're listening to this. I love you. I'm sorry. Um, Justin says, hello, Zach. On Sunday... Uh, he says, hello, Zach, on Sunday, longtime Patriot. Oh, I hear. He said, so on Sunday, the longtime Patriot Teddy Bruschi gave his thoughts on the Patriots and their emperor, Bill Belichick. <laughs> he says the emperor, but I like, I like the Patriots emperor. He's the emperor, the lord over all of New England. Um, he basically said Bill Belichick should coach the hell out of the team this year and then maybe get seven wins and then walk away. As a lifelong Patriots fan, I totally agree with Teddy Bruschi. I think that the NFL has finally evolved past Bill Belichick's mentality and way of the game. It's time for the Patriots to find one of those offensive-minded head coaches and an aggressive general manager. I know you have stated that it's almost impossible to fire Bill with what he has accomplished, but I think it's time for both sides to part ways. What are your thoughts, and do you think there's another solution to this problem other than firing Bill? Also loved your take on starting Malik Cunningham. If we're going to suck on offense and then lose games, why not do it with some fun? Yeah, I totally agree. Play Malik Cunningham. Let's see it. Um, here's the thing I want to really focus on. We have seen, uh, he tried it with Cam Newton at quarterback, and he had uh, Josh McDaniels. Then he tried it with uh, Mac Jones. Then Josh McDaniels left, but he didn't find a real offensive coordinator. This year they got Bill O'Brien on offense. And... I just kind of want to focus on the fact that I think rebuilding an NFL team is really hard. And throughout the years of the Patriots dynasty, if Bill left the Patriots for another team and had to rebuild them, we don't know how well that would go either. And after Tom Brady left, Bill Belichick failed to rebuild the Patriots. I have patience, oddly enough, for one more year. I, I, would, not, I would not mind seeing one more iteration of whatever Bill Belichick can come up with. A different Quarterback, preferably. Like, can we see one more? Is there one more different thing Bill Belichick can change to make a final move and maybe try to keep the Patriots uh, and get them back to winning again? I don't know. He's one in five. It's been horrible. Most people are ready to see Bill Belichick leave. I understand it totally. I I would like to see one more year. Like, you you won. The Patriots are dominant for so long. So if they have a couple years of losing, it's not the end of the world. I would not mind seeing one more year. Let, can he do any, is there any other ideas, any other tricks Bill Belichick has up his sleeve that maybe uh, could lead to them winning again? Because I, I just, again, I, I move like a turtle. I said that on the show the other day. Maybe that's a t-shirt I should make sometime. I move like a turtle, right? My opinions evolve slowly. I have a hard time with change. Uh, and... I, I also have reverence and respect for Bill, man. I really, I love Bill. I grew up watching him like almost every Sunday. I really, really loved 
what he did with the Patriots for years and years. The battles against Peyton Manning, the years of dominance, the well-coached football teams. I realize the NFL is in a different place than it was back then. But, man, I, I would love to see if Bill Belichick has one more good idea. Is there one more change he can make to maybe try to make the Patriots a winning football team again? And, uh, and then if that one doesn't work, if there's one more iteration of this Patriots organization that he tries and that fails, then I'm willing to say, you know, Cam Newton, Mac Jones, multiple offensive coordinators, uh, I'm done. He's run out of time. But when you win six Super Bowls, you get a lot of respect and reverence from your boy, Zach, who is like, you know what? Let's see, let's see what this guy can do. Because I, I still think that he's one of the smartest minds ever to coach football. And uh, it, it, I think that it's sad that I think the, the recent failures in New England are hurting Bill Belichick's legacy. And people seem to be losing reverence and respect for what he is and the great coach he's been. Um, but maybe call me old school again. I, I just, I, I look at Bill with a ton of respect and I'm in no hurry to, I'd love to see him get one more year, I guess is the, the thesis of what I'm saying. Balin writes in with a really long one. Balin, I want to just comment before I'm even reading this out loud. I, I love you. And I, I worry that your tone is angry here. And I, I love being challenged. I, I just hope like I, 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 we've, we've actually texted like in real life. So I hope you're not mad at me. I don't think you are. You're right in as a challenge to me, which I appreciate being challenged on my beliefs. But um, Balin, I do. I do think you're awesome. And I hope I hope on a personal level, like we are good. Uh, Balin says, Zach, as a Chargers fan and a huge fan of Justin Herbert, I wanted to just add a bit of context to some of the things you said, because it sounded very much like the media type overreaction to the Dallas game. That's the part that really kind of strikes me at my soul, by the way media type reaction. I'm not sure what that means. I'm not Stephen A. Smith. And I, I really, I hate, I hate being compared to like the mainstream media. Cause I just don't think, I don't think I operate like them. I really try hard to be my own person and my own unique human. And, um, the show is called strong opinion sports. I know very rarely does the, the, the tone of the show actually reflect that, but, um, maybe more like passionate opinion sports or something, or I love football is maybe the name of the show now. I don't know, but uh, Balin writes in and says, first, go read Daniel Popper's article on The Athletic titled The Truth About the Chargers Third Down Defense. It goes all the way back to the beginning of the, uh, the Brandon Staley era and provides great context to the BS that Herbert has to overcome and has to had to overcome in his career. Also, don't forget, Justin Herbert has 11 fourth quarter comebacks and 14 game-winning drives, meaning that Half of his wins, he's got 27 wins, half of them are wins where he's had to literally be Superman. And in this game in particular, his line did him no favors. Their starting center is out, and their left tackle is dealing with an ankle injury, and the young guards are having a rough year. This kind of thing has happened in nearly every year of his career. This team just can't stay healthy. I'm not trying to make excuses, but unless you're literally Patrick Mahomes, a 27-27 and 27 record dealing with multiple systems... Uh, and head coaching changes and a horrendous defense seems pretty consistent with what you'd expect, even for a guy we consider in that top tier. Josh Allen always has a good defense. Joe Burrow does. Jalen Hurts does. Matthew Stafford looked great once he got a defense with the Rams. And Brock Purdy has a million playmakers, but also a stellar defense. Just something to chew on. Also, not excusing his performance on Monday. That was bad. A bad, bad quarterback play. But the thing is, he had, that, that was bad, bad, bad quarterback play. But the thing is, he had league average numbers. A bad day for Herbert is a normal day for Jimmy Garoppolo. 
when he was on the Niners and he was winning there. Kind of interesting. My favorite thing you said is that he has 14 game-winning drives and 11 fourth-quarter comebacks. Right, so again, more than half of the games Justin Herbert has won in his career. He's got 27 wins, 14, which double that would be 28. So more than half the wins Justin Herbert has as an NFL quarterback have been game-winning drives, right? So Justin Herbert um, is more often than not having to save and rescue his team from a bad situation, which more than likely has been put there by their head coach, Brandon Staley, and his ridiculous defense. I I hope I don't think I was trashing Justin Herbert. I, I was asking a question, right? Monday was, let's all be very clear about what we saw on Monday Night Football against Dallas. Justin Herbert was bad, right? He had open receivers and missed them on wide open double moves. Keenan Allen was open multiple times. He had an out route Keenan Allen he threw in the dirt. He had Keenan Allen open on double moves. He missed the throw twice. Like that should be a huge completion if not a touchdown. Those are layups. You can't miss. Um, I was very careful though, I think, to not say it's entirely his fault. I said at some point you gotta wonder, like, what does Justin Herbert's what is his role in this losing that's happening in the Chargers organization for years? But I compared him to Daniel Jones, who's had way less around him than Justin Herbert has on paper. But Daniel Jones has won a playoff game. Justin Herbert has not. I, I was like, that is absurd and weird. And simply, I said that Justin Herbert should be winning more. Um, you know, most teams would trade for Justin Herbert. Is something I also said. I said, I, I think Philly would trade Jalen Hurts for Justin Herbert, actually. Like, I think I was actually very complimentary of Justin Fields. Um, and and, and, I, and I, I know I started this, this you're reading your question with like, hope we're good. I actually, reading it through like out, out loud, word for word, I think we're fine. I think you were just adding context to what I said. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I have always said that like, or I guess I said the other day on Monday, Tuesday's show, Tuesday's show, that Herbert, I think is a victim of the stuff around him. The question is, is it the coaching staff? Is it the players around him? Is it Herbert? Is it a mix of all those things? And I think of the the, the factors it could be, it's the least Herbert's fault. But uh, also, Monday night, you said it too. Bad, bad, bad quarterback performance. Like, you have receivers open, you got to hit those. And that's a winnable game that slipped through the grasp of the Chargers because Herbert wasn't good enough. And so, that's all I'm saying, man. All I'm saying. Clayton writes him to the final write-in of the day. Clayton says, just wanted to offer an alternate take on Darren Waller. On one hand, you're right that his numbers look very disappointing in a vacuum. On the other hand, he's comfortably our leading receiver in both yards and receptions and is tied for first in big plays. That should speak to just how inoperable our offense is as a whole. And I really think it's because of the offensive line situation. It's difficult for me to expect much more out of him numbers-wise in an offense that just can't muster even a minimum of protection. I know the last play of that Bills game leaves a sour taste in the mouth, but disappointing plays like that have not been common from him this year. And he has made some tough catches in traffic on big downs. If it weren't so decimated up front, I think the value of Darren Waller's contract would be much more apparent. Keep up the awesome work as always. Yeah, I mean, that's... I think it's an interesting perspective. Um, I assume you're a Giants fan, and it's cool to hear from a Giants fan that you're not mad at Darren Waller. In fact, you you attribute his lack of production at a high level to the fact that no one's producing in the Giants offense because the offensive line makes it nearly impossible to function. I think that's very fair. I like that right in. That's a really good thought process. Um, I picked up Darius Slayton in my fantasy team this week because my starting receiver, Nico Collins, has a bye week. Uh, Darius Slayton was like literally the best thing available. He's theoretically the number one receiver in New York. (laughs) 
he's going to do like, he'll get like a catch for two yards probably, right? Like I have no confidence in that Giants offense at all. All right. Um, I want to, you, you actually wrote in a, a PS section. Clayton says, PS, not expecting this part to be on the show, but a few weeks ago, I, I, a few weeks ago, I asked about your favorite games and I haven't responded yet. Did you ask? Did I, and it, first of all, he says, first of all, I want to I want to back up. So Clayton says, not expecting this to be part of the show, but a few weeks ago, I asked you about your favorite games and I haven't responded yet. Oh, okay. Anyway, anyway so he responds. He says, first of all, Banjo-Tooie are two of my favorite games ever. Same with Jack and Daxter. As a kid, I had a Nintendo 64 and my cousin had a PS2. So we would each play each other's when we saw each other. And I played all the Jack games with them, including Jack X, the combat racing one. Very fond memories. I love Precursor's Legacy, favorite game of all time. It's crazy to hear you mention Star Fox Adventures because I played that game completely by accident. I asked for Star Fox Assault for Christmas one year and got the other GameCube one that started with Star Fox A, LOL. It's funny how that game started out as Dinosaur Planet, completely unrelated to Star Fox. And when Nintendo saw it, they were like, yeah, this needs a fox in it. I've never played Horizon Zero Dawn, but I love open world games, and I'm also a big fan of Bow and Arrow. I will take this as a sign. I need to finally play it. Dude, if you like Bow and Arrow games and you like open world games, you are going to absolutely love, love, love Horizon Zero Dawn. It's an incredible, incredible video game, and I've been playing Tomb Raider recently. Similar vibes, man. Open world, collecting stuff, checkboxes. You know, bow and arrow stuff, you know, getting people. It's it's the uh, that's the spice of life, man. A video game like Horizon Zero Dawn does not come around very often. Chew on that for a while. It's a wonderful, wonderful video game. All right, let's end the show today with Fun Friday. Uh, hey, the topic for next week, by the way, I want you to write in about. Write in either tell me your worst first date idea or your best first date idea. Although, I, let's be clear, I'm pretty open. If you want to write in for any kind of first date idea topic. I want to hear from you guys. What do you guys do on first dates? And what's a terrible idea? I, I would say, no, no, I'll save it. I, I've got thoughts on that topic. I'll save it for next Friday. It'll be really fun. Um, I've really only got three write-ins uh, for the show today. Um, Emotep Nixon, guy who I, I I love him. He's Patreon supporter, love him forever. Uh, said, fun Friday submission. Hey, Zach, my submission isn't a costume suggestion, just a funny memory from my childhood. Remember, I asked people to write in about anything revolving Halloween costumes. You guys, frankly, didn't write in very much, so I, I think it's on me. I didn't ask very good questions there, and I didn't make it very clear. So Emotep says, uh, it's a funny memory from my childhood. One year when I was six or eight years old, six to eight years old, I couldn't decide whether I wanted to be Buzz Lightyear or the Hulk, so I decided to be both. My parents didn't seem to mind the idea, so they proceeded to paint me green, and they wore a Buzz Lightyear suit with the iconic purple Hulk shorts. As you would imagine, people were confused, but I have no regrets as it was a fun night that I won't forget. And that's what Halloween is all about at the end of the day. Yeah, dude, I love that. Um, it, you know, that's a, that's what's a, I don't, I've never been a huge Halloween guy because I've been kind of poor my whole life. And it's a, to go get a costume is a lot of work. And I'm also a huge introvert. So like, I don't, I'm just not a, I'm not a go get it kind of guy who's like, out, out and about doing, I know I maybe come across that way. Like I'm a, I'm a party. I don't know. I don't know. I don't really know how I, I come across on, on the internet, but like going to a rager and having a crazy Halloween costume, it sounds fun. Like theoretically, that's something I'd like to do to like do for my bucket list, but I've never done that really. Um, 
and and you were 68 years old so like <laughs> 628 not 68 but i like the parents there um just allowing the kid to be creative and not putting him in a box like, you want to be hulk light year let's do it like good parenting right there i love that um this guy writes in and says i made multiple versions of my party bot costume i started with the first versions from cardboard and duct tape to a now wielded steel one my costume lights up, bumps music, has a helmet that looks like Bender from Futurama, and it's a built-in mini keg and Jaeger dispenser. Dude, I got to say, that's very cool. Um, Thomas Durfee? That's your name, I think. Thomas, um, that is outstanding. I, I, I'm a guy who I love building stuff. I did HVAC. That was my—I miss it sometimes. I miss being able to build stuff and, like, using tools more often. And my tools are actually back on the mainland right now, like, other than my, my impact drill. Um Remember, I built a desk in the back of my truck. I love building stuff. So the fact that you built that, you welded a steel costume for Halloween, that's got to be a joy to take out every year. Like, that's a thing you've built and invested in as the years have gone on. Now, I personally probably would not wear that. I'm the kind of guy who's a headphones all the time person. I hate, I'm always afraid, like when you're walking on a hiking trail, for example, someone's got their little Bluetooth speaker clipped to their backpack or something, and it's blaring music for the whole trail. I'm like, I don't want to hear your music, man. I, if I want to hear your music, I would ask you. I, I, you didn't ask me if I wanted your music, and you didn't allow me to opt into that. So um, I'm not the guy who likes to intrude other people's space with music, but um, it, it's very cool. Like That that idea terrifies me to wear a costume like that, a, a big attention-grabbing costume. Like I know that's an oxymoron because I'm, I'm a YouTuber, content creator, who like my job is I rely on people watching and giving me attention, but I actually hate attention, believe it or not. So... Like being at a party with like a, a literally a costume making tons of noise that also has a keg on the back, which is epic, by the way, and amazing. Like I really can't say enough how like cool and sick your costume is. I just know that I personally would do anything to avoid wearing it because <laughs> I, I would get too much attention. Like I don't I don't want to be the center of the party. I don't want people trying to drink from my keg. I don't want my music uh, bringing attention to myself. I'm the guy who's like in the Batman costume in the corner like, <laughs> No one can see me, right? Ha ha! Like, I'm hidden in the dark corner. Like, I, I, in fact, I have left parties. What's, you know, the Batman way where, like, he just leaves? What's it called? An Irish goodbye? Something like that? I have one million percent left parties where I just sneak out. Like, I, I make an appearance. Like, yo, what's up? I'm, like, the life of the party for, like, five minutes. People remember me. They remember the, the, the connection they had briefly with me. And then I just, I peace out. I get some food and I leave. And I'm like, all right, bye. You know, I'm, I'm a very introverted person who, um... I feel like I play an extrovert on TV sometimes, right? I, I pretend that I, I am, if you meet me in real life, dude, I'm fun. I'm full of life. I really think, I, I think I can be that guy. I mean, I like being at parties, but uh, I also know that the reality of me is a quiet introvert who's like in a dark bat cave watching football all day. Um, final one of the day, Nick Flames writes in and says, me and my girlfriend were looking through them and we're trying to find a Halloween costume. I think a fun one would be me, uh, would be Flynn Rider and Rapunzel as that is her favorite movie princess dude that is the way if uh, nick you got to be flynn rider she's got to be rapunzel you got to do it man like the way to care for your girlfriend cater to her needs give her the things she wants let her be her favorite disney princess be literally the the knight in shining armor character for her like what a way to do it that i feel like that's the best couple costume idea you can. like i i always like the clever couple costumes like um i mean there's some really good ones eating I don't even know the, the, the I love the sexual innuendo ones where you and your partner like make a joke. Um, I, I love the idea of like just having a T-shirt that's like a just one single Pringle on the shirt, and you're like, "What are you for Halloween?" I'm a single Pringle. Like that's a fun thought. 
I should see, like, I don't think I have time to make a shirt for Halloween in time, but that would be a hilarious costume to wear on the show. Like just a Pringle on my, like that, that's, I love that idea. Maybe I'll print out one and tape it to my black shirt. That's a fun thought. Uh, and be like, what are you for Halloween? I'm a single Pringle. Ah, I love that thought. Anyway, guys, um, that's all I have today. Remember, write in. Tell me, what's a terrible first aid idea? What's a great first aid idea? Write in. I want to hear from you guys. Um, and the more funny you can come up with, the better. Frankly, I want to hear clever, hilarious stuff. Um, I've got already lots of content in my head I could talk about with that idea. But I want to react to what you guys have to say. So uh, bring it on. Let's have fun with it. And uh, I just, I love the idea of you guys writing in a good a good date for a good idea for a first date or a bad idea for a first date. And I can react and tell you whether I agree or not and why or why not you might be wrong. That sounds like a lot of fun for me. So guys, I love you. I appreciate you. Happy Friday. Happy fun Friday. Have a great weekend. And uh, for the love of God, the games this weekend, Kansas City, the Chargers is going to be incredible. Um, Sunday night football, Miami against Philly at Philly is going to be awesome. Detroit at Baltimore is going to be incredible. And then the college football game of the weekend, number seven, Penn State at number three, Ohio State. I cannot wait for that football game. And then, hey, can Caleb Williams, after a bad performance last week, three interceptions against Notre Dame, can he bounce back and be better against, against Utah? Guys, I love you. I appreciate it. I hope you have a great day. And uh, my phone just went off, so I got to go. But I'm bum. I got to do it. But I'm bum. Bam. We are done.